Exceeding Expectations at Christmas, episode 14. Welcome to the show about creating exceptional experiences for your customers. The guests on the show typically have the mindset of loving to over-deliver on their customers' expectations and giving them just a fantastic experience, which ends up in getting great testimonials and lots of referrals. And, And you also spend less time and money on marketing and advertising. In this week's show, we talk with John DeJulius, the author of the book, The Customer Service Revolution. I I read this book about two months ago. It's a really good book. And in this episode, we're going to explore many things like how John started from a tiny hairdressing salon to becoming a a customer service consultant with huge companies such as the Ritz-Carlton, Harley-Davidson and the Qatar World Cup, a whole country how to um, compete against competitors who are far more established than you, who have more money and more customers, how to, make, how to make price irrelevant, the secret service allowance program. We'll find out what that is and much, much more as we speak with John DeJulius. But right now, here's a promo for another podcast all called The Genuine Chit Chat Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, from travellers to musicians, to those afflicted with mental or physical illnesses. There's really no subject that's off-limits, from movies to politics, and even controversial topics ranging from sex to drug reform and political correctness. So if you still believe in the art of conversation, are intrigued by healthy debates with different ideas and perspectives you may not have thought of, and want a podcast where every episode is about something different with a variety of guests, then this may be the podcast for you. You can hear us on YouTube and all your favourite podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to hang out and listen to honest conversations with interesting people, then come to Genuine Chit Chat, where I'm your host, Mike Burton. So we have another edition of Exceeding Expectations, and today I speak to John DeJulius. How are you doing, John? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really been looking forward to this. I read your book. Um, oh, when was it? About six weeks ago or so, and it, it was really it was fascinating. I, I mean, how many books have you have you uh, written? I've written four, and I have a, a new one coming out um, in the middle of 2019. Okay. And, and what's that one about? That's Well, they're all about customer service. I'm a one-trick pony. Um, so the one you read, I'm assuming, is the customer service revolution? That's the one, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. This one is uh, uh, the relationship economy. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's just that, you know, with the, the, the digital disruption that's going on and, and, and won't um, ever end, uh, it's, you know, it's it's about relationships, right? And, and we have, uh, you know, everyone's a, a, an account number and, you know, dealing with uh, chat bots and everything. But the real, real uh, disruption is going to be the companies that really make an emotional connection. And, and I like to say today's illiterate are the ones that can't make that emotional connection. And with the, um, you know, the, we're all in the touchscreen era. And the touchscreen era isn't a generational thing, right? We have grandparents on Facebook and, you know, things like such that. So, but as a result, our, our people skills are eroding and, and, you know, the, the new generation of employees don't have the people skills that, you know, a lot of us 
inherently were given. So the best companies um, build systems that allow them to build an emotional connection and, and rapport with their customers. Do you tend to get um, a certain type of person buying your books? Uh, I mean, what kind of feedback do you get from the books that you've written? Um, I mean, they, they've, they've fortunately all have made bestseller. Um, they hit the bestseller list, but it's, it's, uh, executives, uh, C-level people. It's, I mean, it's salespeople. It's anyone that's has a customer, which, you know, to me, everyone has a customer, whether it's the person in the cube next to you, um, you know, uh, you know, that's reporting to you, the person in the warehouse, or obviously the external customer that you're, uh, you're, you're, you know, serving. And have you had any really sort of um, like surprising reviews of the book or anything along those lines? It's all been good. I mean, it, 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 you know, a lot of people, uh, I guess it, it, it put uh, me and my company on the map. And from, you know, writing the books, um, you know, my first business uh, that I started 26 years ago was a, uh, you know, a, a salon and spa. And, um, you know, my first book came out in 2002. And I went from being a salon owner to a, a customer service consultant almost overnight. And, you know, great companies like the Ritz Carlton and Starbucks and Harley Davidson and Nordstrom's, you know, they started calling and, you know, it just, it changed, you know, pretty much overnight when, when the book was a success. Ah, so, so you wrote the book before you became a consultant. Correct. What I was before my first book, was I was a, a, a very successful salon owner that the salons were growing and, and because of our customer service. So hmm. people would start asking me to speak about customer service. And I would, um, you know, but I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, nearly the extent. So then when I started speaking, um, I decided to write a book and not knowing that it would take me completely out of the salon and spa industry. And now we have a, uh, a firm with, you know, several uh, uh, consultants that travel all over the world, um, you know, teaching our methodology to uh, different companies. Because I love the story in, um, in your book about how you started the salon and about how the, the way that you saw that you needed to compete against the, you know, the other sort of salons in the area. Would you mind repeating that story for the people who haven't read the book? Yeah. I mean, when we started back in 1992, um, you know, it would, like everyone uh, that starts a business, you could throw a, a rock and hit, you know, 10 of our competitors. I mean, there was just, you know, like it probably is today, there's salons up and down the street um, and we didn't have money. We didn't have employees and we didn't have customers when we first opened. Um, mm. And so, you know, we couldn't build a, a, a nicer place at the time than anyone else. Um, and technically we had, you know, a, a couple really good hairdressers, one being my wife. Um, but, you know, I can't say that we, we had, you know, better hairdressers than any other salons up and down, you know, our, our, the, our, our strip. Uh, but the one thing that we could do was build an incredible customer experience. And we didn't want to build a, 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 a great customer experience for a hair salon. We wanted to build an exceptional customer experience um, compared to any experience our customer may have that day. Because, I mean, the, the problem that I think uh, too many businesses get into is 
they say we are head and shoulders above our competition. Well, mm-hmm. that that's not the right thinking, number one. But number two, let's say it was true. I don't care what if you're a if you pr- you know, do printing, you do you know uh, websites. I don't if you're a lawyer, that may be true and 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 great, but it really doesn't matter because if you're using you know, a lawyer, an accountant, a printer, or a hair salon, you then don't go across the street, down the street, and use their competitor. And then say, oh my God, you know, they're so much better or worse or anything. You you don't need to use their competitor because you're using them. But you're using other businesses for other things. And that's why we couldn't be benchmarked just against our industry. You know, after women left our salon, they'd go, you know, to the grocery store, they'd go to the dentist, they'd go to lunch, they'd go shopping, whatever that looked like. And we wanted every experience to be a disappointment after they came into us. So, you know, 26 years later, we realize that that's still our best investment. We don't advertise, we don't market, we just create an incredible customer experience that you know has uh, you know uh, customer evangelists that send us in so many customers and you know stay with us for you know many 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 years. And what kind of things did you do that were different from the other salons at that time? You know, and 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 we're still doing them. It's funny. Uh, they're twenty six years old, but um, you know, so we looked at every touch point a customer could have, which is you know today more. Uh, um, technically known as journey mapping. And we'd look at, all right, when a customer called in, um, when they physically walked in, right? When they had their haircut, manicure, you know, whatever that was, when they checked out and then how we followed up and we defined that process, but it wasn't just operational process. It was, um, it was experiential processes, you know, operational, everyone's doing operational, everyone's getting your name, everyone's scheduling an appointment, everyone's, you know, I mean, that's, that's not, you know, the operational is only memorable when it's, when it's, when it's a mistake, right? So an operational is that, you know, if you come in on Wednesday for your three o'clock haircut with Suzanne, you know, and you come in and, and, and say, hey, I'm here for my three o'clock with Suzanne. And we say, yes. Yes, we got you down. She'll be right up. You're not doing somersaults. That's what you expected. The only time mm. operational is memorable is when you come in and say, hi, I'm here for my three o'clock with Suzanne. And we say, oh, no, 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 that was yesterday. Or that's at a different location, right? That's when mm. operational processes are memorable is when they go wrong. Now, we have to blend in experiential. So on the phone, you know, we, we, you may mention something that, you know, it's your anniversary tonight or you're taking your wife out to dinner. So when you come in, we can congratulate you. And, and, you know, and, um, we have white capes and black capes. So if you come into any of our salons, you're going to see a bunch of people getting their haircuts and you'll see, Mm -hmm. let's say eight, eight or nine in a black John Roberts haircutting cape and one or two in a white John Roberts haircutting cape. Now to you, the customer that, just means we have black and white capes. To mm-hmm. anyone that works at the salons, we know that black cape means you've been here before and white means you've never been here before. So okay. anyone walking by you could say, hey, welcome to your first experience at John Roberts. Can I refresh in your coffee? You know, hey, you know, I'm John. And if you're in a black cape, it's great to see you again. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a visual cue, uh, you know, um, you know, a, a, a silent and, and visual cue. 
And you, you mentioned that this when I when I asked that, you said that and some of your competitors still aren't doing some of those things. So it, does that surprise you that they haven't kind of caught on to some of those like very small little things that you did? Listen, ideas are 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 easy to come up with. Execution implementation are, are is the hard part. And mm. you know, I've written, you know, as we said, four books and you know. I'm not too worried about competition stealing them. Um, you know, it's hard enough to get my employees to buy into it. Um, and, you know, to get, you know, to really be a world-class customer experience company is a commitment. And it's not something you could do annually. You can't just have everyone read a book uh, in January and talk about it and then expect, you know, it to be a change. It has to be something that the leader, you know, the, 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 person running a company is passionate about and has to visit literally every day. And, you know, it just could be a pre-shift huddle. It could be, let me tell you, we have a VIP, Tony um, Winyard coming in today and, you know, he's, you know, proposing tonight, you know, whatever those things may be, but it has to be something that is constantly being reminded how important the experience is and holding people accountable. And, you know, to a lot of people, that's just too much work. Hmm. What what would you say um, gave you the kind of attitude or the thought to do these kind of things in the first place when you first opened that salon? Was it something that you'd seen before from you know from your family or from a different business or? You know, it it, it, it was desperation, right? I mean, we we didn't know how else we would be different from anyone else. Uh, again. Um, there was night at the time when we opened, there was nicer, you know, salons that we couldn't build out as pretty as, um, you know, everyone had really technically, um, strong, um, hairdressers and nail technicians. Uh, so while we could compete, it, that wasn't going to make us stand alone. But back then, um, and it's still the case, and I'm not even talking about the salon industry, the only thing that could differentiate ourselves was the customer experience we offered because people can copy anything. They can copy technology. They can copy the, the products and services. They can even, you know, um, offer it at a cheaper rate, but they can't copy culture and they can't copy experience. And that, you know, comes from, you know, just long, long-term ingrained from hiring to, you know, training to ongoing. And so, you know, from doing that, we were able to become the brand our customers couldn't live without, literally, and we were able to make price irrelevant. And that is why, um, you know, how my speaking and consulting propelled because other industries wanted to know how they could be the brand their clients can't live without and how they could mm -hmm. make price irrelevant. And so, you know, making price irrelevant doesn't mean that you can double your prices or even raise them 30% and not lose existing or, or future customers. But what it does mean is based on the experience your customers consistently receive by your company, they have no idea what your competition charges, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they're not out price checking you. Um, and sometimes they don't know what you charge, right? And, and that's the biggest compliment you can get is you know some you you're bragging to someone um about a company you use and mm. someone says well hold on right you know let's say you know you're talking about your handyman that comes over and repairs stuff and fixes things right and, and someone says you know um you got to use you know my handyman he's excellent he's really good blah, blah, blah. and someone says well hold on how much does he charge per hour because my current handyman 
charges 75, right? Whatever it is. And, you know, the best thing is someone says, well, I don't even know what he charges per hour. It's not because I can afford anything. I just don't. I'd have to go look at his last invoice, but I don't care. He's worth it. Mm. He saves me money. He's on time. He always does it right. You know, if he sends someone else, it's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm not interested if he's $20 more or, or $20 less. I'm not shopping him to the lowest bidder. One of the things you mentioned in the book was about the Secret Service Allowance Program. Yeah. And, and one of the things, you know, about this podcast is we're always trying to give people ideas about how they can over deliver. And I love that the idea behind that. Would you like to explain that? Yeah. So there's a company that I work with in uh, Toronto, Canada called Benson Kearley, and it's a financial group. And they uh, do the um, secret service allowance to their account executives who are dealing with people over the phone, their clients, and they, they, they have to. It's not like optional. Their account executives have to spend $25 a month on their clients. Now you can change it. The people listening can change that to $25 a quarter. It doesn't matter. But what happens is, you know, if you're dealing with someone over the phone, you are listening intently because I, you know, as a customer service rep, I have to look, you know, figure out how I can, you know, spend my $25 this month. So I'm hoping mm. that in our conversation, you come up with something that I can now send you flowers or send you a $5 Starbucks card or something to congratulate you. But it's a great way to pay attention to making an emotional connection and listening to people. Um, you might hear a baby crying in the background and say, oh, my God, is, is that a, a baby? Oh, yeah, you know, I just had a baby two, two weeks ago. Or my daughter just had a baby two weeks ago, and I'm watching, um, you know, my, my granddaughter. You know, and all of a sudden you start hearing and seeing things that you never saw before. Mm. And what I what I liked about that, it made me think, well, if I allocated – five percent or ten percent of you know of the total invoice in buying some kind of a gift afterwards or giving you know giving them some kind of a surprise that would be yeah that's a that's a great way of marketing in a way you know giving them a, a better experience and everything that goes out your invoices thank you cards the, everything you know should be the highest compliment we can get is a referral of a family or friend right mm. Um, I think that's great because it's constantly putting, you know, that in front of people in a non-soliciting way. But, you know, if they like working with you, they know how hard it is to build a business and they want to, you know, help you in that way. Mm. And you also mentioned in a book about the um, on stage, off stage, which I thought was was pretty interesting. I never thought of it in that way before. Is you, would you like to explain that? Yeah. So in 1998, I attended the Disney Institute which was in, in, in uh, Orlando, Florida. And I got to go underground and behind the scenes at Disney and see how they do it. And it, was, it was phenomenal. So Magic Kingdom, one of their parks, has a whole underground where cast members punch in and punch out and, I, and take breaks. And as I was touring it back in 1998, I literally see Snow White about 15 feet away from me on break smoking a cigarette, complaining <laughs> about her boyfriend. I'm like, holy cow, right? This is Snow White. And, you know, uh, you know, five minutes later, she comes back in. She freshens herself up. She punches back in. Then she goes up these stairs through these bushes. And she reappears on Magic Kingdom ground where, 
you know, 15, five, six and seven year olds come charging at her. And she turns back into this beautiful angelic princess posing for pictures, signing their books, you know, but downstairs in the parking lot on break, she was a 21 year old girl that had jerked for a boyfriend or a dwarf or whatever he was. But Disney does such a great job of teaching her the part that she plays in the guest experience. And Mm -hmm. they do such a great job of teaching their shuttle bus drivers and housekeeping that they know that, listen, the customer is not paying for your experience. They're paying for their own. You got to leave yours at the door, whatever that may look like, or leave yourself at the door. And so, you know, even, even like, you know, where, where let's go to uh, my business. and, And this is common in a lot of businesses. Our employees will forget when they're on stage. And I'm not talking about, they know they're on stage when they're in front of a customer, right? When they're dealing one-on-one with a customer, but they forget that they could be off and, but they're still, you know, on stage, right? They, in my business, they'll walk up to the front desk. Um, now they just got off. It could be a hairdresser. She just got off. And so she walks up to the front desk because her best friend is working the desk and she wants to know, if, you know, when her, you know, her best friend's getting off because they're going to meet out later for, you know, dinner or drinks or whatever it is. So, but her, her, her best friend is checking in three people and checking out three people and she she has a herd of people. So the hairdresser goes up there and waits and she pulls out her phone and she starts texting um, because she's pretty sure there's a sign above her head that says I'm off and I don't work up here. But you Mm -hmm. as a client see two people behind the desk one helping and one texting. And Mm. you just think we have a very unprofessional employee. So they have to understand what onstage looks like and what onstage doesn't look like. Right. And so there's many, many scenarios of, you know, onstage and offstage. And and it's something that I guess a lot of people, they're not doing that purpose you know it's just something i haven't really thought about i would imagine so when when you're advising companies on ways to go about improving their customer service and so on has there been any sort of small things such as that which they were just totally unaware of and it's made a big difference to them yeah listen all of this is typically not the employee's fault it's a lack of training by the company and you have to teach them what on stage and off stage is right um you know, and, 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 you know, even like, you know, we say smile is part of the uniform Hmm. and we'll send someone home for being out of uniform. We'll go up and say, Tony, you don't look happy. And you'll say, yeah, I am. And and we'll say, you are. And you'll say, yeah. And we say, well, tell your face, your face has no idea. (laughs) Right. So we have to teach and educate, um, you know, our employees and their service aptitude. What is professional what is, you know, um, what the customer sees. And that's the biggest disconnect is everyone's customer experience is looked at from the company side. And that's the biggest mistake. You got to look at it from the customer side, what the customer is seeing when they walk in, um, what the customer is seeing, hearing, listening to when they go to your website. And one of the best things we do um, in our companies and, and, and for other companies is we do a day in the life of their customer. And, you know, we create a three minute story, video, slideshow, but it's what has happened to your customer from the moment they get up till they go to bed that and it might not have nothing to do with dealing with you. But then you see, holy cow, this this poor guy, this poor woman, she's dealing with a lot. You know, her kids 
are, you know, you know, giving her a hard time. Her, her boss is giving her a hard time. You know, she has, uh, aging parents. Um, and she has a demanding customer that wants X by, and now she picks up to the phone to call us. And mm. we have a chance to come to the rescue. We have a chance to be present and show compassion and empathy instead of looking at her as next, our 5.30, our eighth appointment of the day, our third last one so, until we can get the heck out of here. So it, it's so important to look at it from the customer's vantage point and teach our employees so they're more present, they don't become numb to you know the next person they're serving, and they can have compassion and empathy. And so when you're in it, I'm guessing from, from what you're saying, you're dealing with a lot of different types of industries, different types of companies. All, everything. I mean, B2B, manufacturing, even government. Um, we've worked with, you know, um, anti-terrorist groups that, you know, they're training countries and, and governments and companies how to counter terrorism. And then obviously the hospitality, um, one of our new um, projects that we're really excited is we're helping the the entire country of Qatar um, in the Middle East prepare for the 2022 World Cup, and we're wow, yeah, we're training there. You know everything from airport security, immigrations, taxi cab drivers, hotels. You know how to prepare and and for the you know to to just deliver a world class visitor experience so they can capitalize on being, you know, on stage and then turn that into, you know, um, a place that people want to visit and talk about for, for years to come. Well, that sounds like a mammoth project. I mean, how, how long is that taking? Well, it, it, it's, it's going to be uh, uh, four years. Wow. Yeah, we just started and it goes till 2022. And so when you are approached by a company in an industry where you haven't done anything for that industry industry before, how would you prepare for such like, How would you look at all the different possibilities that that company maybe should be thinking of? How would you go about that? So we have a whole discovery phase and, you know, so we, we look at, you know, um, obviously what their, their, their model is, how they interact with their customers. What are the touch points, right? Um, you know, there's usually a sales cycle and then there's a, 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 you know, and it could be um, six months, it could be years, you know, whatever they, however they interact with their customers. And then we look at how we can make that different. We don't have to become experts at the technical side. Um, that's what they do. We mm. want to bring in the uh, experiential side. And a lot of times um, clients hire us because we don't have industry um, specific experience. And I know that sounds odd, but like we've had, you know, a huge bank um, hire us because, you know, we didn't work with a lot of banks up until that point because they mm. don't want to think like a bank. They want to yeah. think like a hospitality company that has financial services. And, mm. you know, that's where, you know, the, the, the genius really comes is when you can, you know, be a, a, a world-class hospitality company that happens to have the best digital services around or financial services. But too often we look at, you know, how everyone else does it in our industry. And it goes back to, you know, being the best in your industry is typically nothing to brag about. A lot of the listeners of this show are small businesses, maybe, you know, one, two, three people. What do you think are the typical areas 
company, you know, businesses of that size can improve the service that they're giving to to their customers? You know, I, I absolutely think smaller businesses have a huge advantage, right? I mean, you know, if they take advantage of it. So, so mom and pops are, it's easier for them to create a personal relationship with their customers. They know their customers. They, they don't have 50,000 um, uh, frontline employees and call centers and all these things. It's just them. And shame on them if they're not. And, and we were like, excuse me, we were like this. 26 years ago, right? And this is what differentiated ourselves. We got to know our customers. We got to know their kids. And and, and so it's about building rapport. And as I said earlier, uh, today's business illiterate are not the ones that can't read or write. It's the ones that cannot make an emotional connection with everyone they come in contact with. So one of the things I love, you know, you know, the relationship economy book is all about how you can build a, a, a rapport instantly with it be you know a, a customer, coworker, acquaintance, or total stranger, and I love to ask audiences how many people are re- feel they're really good at building a rapport with total strangers, and eighty percent of the people raise their hand, and I mm-hmm. I call BS on that. I said just because you just had a conversation with someone right at break at coffee, wherever, um, for 15, 30 minutes doesn't mean you built a rapport. You could have been talking about yourself for that whole mm. 15, 30 minutes. So here's mm. how anyone proves to me, including my employees, including myself, that you built a relationship with someone after you've had a conversation. You have to be able to tell me two or more things of the other person's Ford. F-O-R-D. Family. Are they married? Do they have kids? How old are their kids? Occupation, right? What do they do? What's their title? How long they be doing it? Recreation, right? What do they like to do with their free time? Are they runners, exercisers, um, you know, kids sporting events and, and dreams? What's on their bucket list? Ford is such a great tool because it helps yourself, your employees, even your kids Focus on the other person during conversations and not yourself. Because we're all genetically coded to be self-absorbed. That's not a bad thing. It's just how we are. It's my flight. It's my um, back that's hurting. It's my flat tire that I have. But when you can create a system where you constantly focus on other people's Ford, you're building an emotional connection and the magic happens because when the person leaves their feeling and, and you've, you know, just really gotten to know them now, mm. you know, you, you've created something and, and you, know, you collect that and you write it down, you put it in your software, you put it in your phone. Even my boys, I teach that too. Um, when we go on trips for vacations, I have three boys and we play the Ford game because I don't want them to be, you know, typical kids who, you know, just talk about themselves. So, mm. uh, you know, we'll go on the, uh, a vacation and we'll, all three of all four of us will be drilling the poor Uber driver, right? Asking him questions or the valet at the hotel um, because we're playing the game of who can find out the most information from total strangers. And that's how businesses need to operate. And the best ones do that. And because in your book, you mentioned about beat the greet and you talked about how your sons were, were doing that as well. I, I like that idea. That was, uh, do, you, do you want to mention that? Yeah, I love that. You gotta, you gotta, uh, no one is allowed. And so this is in companies 
and in families, right? No one is allowed to say hi to you first, right? So <laughs> someone walks in your, your, your place of business. I don't care if it's a coworker, a stranger, the mailman, the, the, the FedEx, or a, or a potential customer. You say hi to them. And, and so we say uh, there's a 15-5. 15 feet, you smile and nod. Five feet, you come in contact with anyone. Five feet, you say something to them. So again, me and my three boys play the, the beat the greet game. And when we travel, we uh, the person uh, – so, so you, you, you have to say hi to total strangers, right, at the airport, um, at a resort. And, you know, if so, so one, whoever says hi to the guy, the person walking towards us, they get a point. Um, but the rest of us have to say hi first, even though we won't get the point because if someone else in our group said hi, but if, if someone says hi to us first, we lose 20, right? <laughs> so it's, it's something we keep score on the whole time. And then you get extra points. If you see someone from the military or uh, a policeman or a fireman, you thank them for your service. But it's just ingraining in, you know, our employees, ourselves, our kids, you know, just how to have that hospitality. Another thing that all my employees have to do is the five E's. Mm-hmm. The five E's take less than five seconds to do. Um, the first three take one second to do simultaneously. Eye contact, enthusiastic greet, ear to ear smile, right? You could do that all at once. You know, I see you, Tony. Right, eye contact, enthusiastic greet, ear to ear smile, mm-hmm. engage, right, and then educate. So when you engage with someone, it's about them. It's using their mm-hmm. name. It's using their Ford. And then the last E is educate. Every time you deal with someone on my team, you know they better be making you feel when you walk away. There is no one smarter at their job than they are. When when you were talking just now about how your three sons and you have the competition and you might be at an airport or or so on, um, and you're all trying to do beat the greets, I could imagine there's been some funny situations where where when you've done things like that. Oh, it's hilarious! So so um, you know, like I said, if, if someone says hi to us first, we lose twenty. So sometimes, you know, we'll step off an elevator and turn a corner and bump into, uh, you know, someone, they'll say hi. And like, we'll be all like, I'll be all mad. And the person doesn't know why I'm mad. And it's because <laughs> I just lost 20 points, you know, or we'll see someone like 50 yards away from us and we'll yell to them, hi. And, you know, and then I'll say, hey, I got him. He's mine. Um, you know, and it's, it's fun. It, it's fun. And so I mean, we're, we've gone half an hour already. It's amazing how time goes. So I want to respect your time. But before we do finish, you mentioned about the new book you've got coming out. Was it next summer, did you say? Summer of 2019, The Relationship Economy. And so is that book finished now? Uh, it, well, uh, <laughs> I have uh, the next two weeks uh, blocked off um, to finalize. It's about 90% finished and I'm putting the final touches on it and it's due at the end of the month to the publisher and, and so they can get it out by the uh, summer of 2019. And so how do you go about when you decide to write a new book? How do you decide what stories to include? You know, how do you collate the stories and so on? Well, so um, I, every week I write an article that's, uh, you know, like, you know, we have about 50,000 subscribers. We call it an e-service or a blog that, you know, people sign up for it. And so, um, I have to write an article every week and, and, and which is both, um, 
you know, tough to, you know, always be disciplined to do, but it's the best thing I do because I have to constantly be researching, reading, you know, interacting with my clients, finding best practices, um, which keeps me relevant. It keeps me cutting edge. It makes sure that, you know, I'm studying, you know, the latest customer experience trends. And then after, you know, a couple of years, um, I have a new book. Um, that I've worked on the past couple of years by creating new content every week. So, um, mm. you know, I get lucky working only really good companies hire us. And uh, a lot of times they teach us as much as we're teaching them because, you know, great companies do great things and uh, we get to, you know, learn from them as much. And and just before we go, what would you, what advice or suggestions would you give people listening about exceeding expectations about over delivering to their customers? Um, you know, my, my, my favorite two words is give more, right? The, 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 you know, those two words, uh, I wish I can get them tattooed on my forehead if it didn't look um, silly, but we, we need to give more in every interaction, right? Give more to our, our company, give more to our customers, give more to our employees, our coworkers, our significant others, um, even our neighbors and our friends. And we live in a very cynical society today. Um, you know, the deal is that you're going to, you know, our agreement says our arrangement, whatever you want to call our contract, um, says that you have to do A, B, and C and I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but too often people wait and make sure that the other party does their part first. So what I try to teach myself, my employees, my clients, and my three boys is do what you promise first, do X, Y, and Z. And throw in W, even though W wasn't part of it, wasn't included, and they weren't expecting it. Always give them something they weren't expecting. Don't keep score. Don't wait for them to do what they said. And don't have a good memory. What I mean by that is don't remember three years ago when someone didn't do what they said they would. Don't let that ruin it. Giving more is one of the most selfish things you could do because the way it comes back to you. So, you know, giving more at work, giving more to customers. It even means that if you borrow someone's pickup truck to move furniture, you give them that pickup truck back cleaner and with more gas than they gave it to you. Mm, I love that. Okay, well, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go to? Um, the DeJuliusGroup.com, the DeJuliusGroup.com. It's D-I-J-U-L-I-U-S. Um, and then everything's there, you know, from uh, the, the products, services, seminars, um, you know, uh, they can sign up uh, for the weekly uh, e-service that goes out. There's no charge for that. Okay. Well, I'll link, I'll put links to all of the things that you mentioned in the show notes of the podcast. And um, it's, been a, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, John. And thank you for all the great information that you've given to the listeners. My pleasure. Thank you, Tony. Hope you enjoyed that episode there with John DeJulius. Next week, episode 15 is Alan Berg. I've seen Alan speak in a couple of different times. He's an international speaker and he's also an author. He's written many books and he typically speaks to conferences uh, for the wedding industry. But what he speaks about is very relevant to any industry. He, he's a, an expert on marketing and making your website work much better. And so that's next week with Alan Berg. So please um, do join our Facebook group. Uh, you just search for Exceeding Expectations in Facebook. Maybe start a conversation about some of the points you've heard on this episode or any of the other episodes you've heard. 
Right now, we're going to hear a promo for a podcast called the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, from travellers to musicians, to those afflicted with mental or physical illnesses. There's really no subject that's off-limits, from movies to politics, and even controversial topics ranging from sex to drug reform and political correctness. So if you still believe in the art of conversation, are intrigued by healthy debates with different ideas and perspectives you may not have thought of, and want a podcast where every episode is about something different with a variety of guests, then this may be the podcast for you. You can hear us on YouTube and all your favourite podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to hang out and listen to honest conversations with interesting people, then come to Genuine Chit Chat, where I'm your host, Mike Burton. So thank you once again for listening. I hope you do join us next week for episode uh, 15 with Alan Berg. If there's a, a particular person you would like to hear their story, hear them interviewed on this show, please do get in touch. Um, if you've read a book on customer service or on over-delivering, please do join in the Facebook group and maybe talk about that book or talk about an exceptional experience you've had from someone uh, that really surprised you. We'd love to hear about that in the Facebook group. So once again, thank you for listening. Do leave a review. We'd love you to leave a review. If you're not sure how to leave a review for a podcast, because I've had a couple of people recently say, I'm not really sure how to go about this. I've recently just uh, written a blog post and created uh, some videos, a video on how to do it on iTunes on your computer, how to do it on iTunes on your mobile, and how to do it on a non-Apple um, phone, like how to do it on Stitcher. So just um, I'll put links in the show about how to find those podcasts and blog posts. So yeah, do subscribe and leave a review and I look forward to joining you next week.